Hello and welcome to another episode of Film Freaks with a Z, the podcast all about movies. Each episode is about a specific movie, which we'll get to in a little bit. But first, of course, I need to ask you, the listener, to join us in this endeavor by submitting a video, uh, not, not a video, a movie uh, to our, pod, our podcast vote that happens during Tay's episode. So if you want to get your movie onto the next vote, just send us an email at ff.filmfreakswithaz at the end at gmail.com or comment on the latest episode of Film Freaks with a Z or talk in my Discord or private message us or just say it while you're on the podcast if your movie gets chosen. Uh, people's movies uh, that are new usually get into the next vote. So if you want us to talk about a movie that you're yearning for someone else to watch, this is the place to do it. Before we introduce the movie, let's go ahead and introduce ourselves. I am uh, Nexus Six the Ferret. Who am I here with? Runner Waffles. And I am K4L4S, aka Callus. <laughs> and today, of course, we have a special guest with us. He runs his own sci fi Discord. Who do we got here with us today? Hello there. I'm General. Obi-Wan Kenobi, at your service. Ah, Ge- oh, General Kenobi. <laughs> nice to have you. Thank you for having me. He does have the high ground, everyone. Yep. <laughs> He's got the high ground. How, how are you doing, Kenobi? It, I mean, a lot of people, this will be the first time they actually hear your voice. Yes, uh, it's quite uh, interesting, huh? Well, actually... Well, actually, for some people, it would be the first, but for you, Yemi and uh, Waffle, Waffles, you already heard me before when <laughs> we played uh, Zero Hour. That's right. Yes. Back in the day, back in our day. We have the inside <laughs> knowledge on this one. Well, it's definitely knowledge. my first time, and you know what? I got to say, I did not expect your voice to sound so uh, silky smooth. Yeah, romantic. <laughs> so, Kenobi streams when? <laughs> When... Right after yours, Greedy. Oh. Okay. <laughs> well, back to back. Yes. So, Kenobi, you run your own Discord server. Um, why That's... don't you tell us a little bit about that? My Discord server? Yeah. All right. Well, um, so my Discord server is a sci-fi. We talk about all kind of sci-fi franchises Started from uh, like Star Wars, Star Trek, uh, Battlestar Galactica, Warhammer 40K, uh, some other sci-fi franchises. And uh, today, it uh, looks like a sci-fi movie got picked. And we're <laughs> going to talk about Blade Runner uh, 1982, uh, which uh, it's a, well, it's a sci-fi movie. It's a... Which uh, where uh, where we have uh, Blade Runner must pursue and terminate four replicants who stole a ship in space and have returned to Earth to find their creator. So uh, the movie is been directed by Ridley Scott. We have some writers in there: Hampton Fancher, which is the screenplay; David Webb Peoples, another screenplay; and Philip K. Dick, which the novel is been adapted to, which the novel has been called. Do androids dream of electric sheep? And we have and we have the cast: Harrison Ford, Rodger Howard, Sean Young, Edward James Olmos, Malcolm Watch, Daryl, Daryl, uh, sorry, Daryl Anna, 
William Sanderson, and uh, so on, of course. Everyone's Very good. Like, Harrison Ford does other movies besides Star Wars? Harrison yeah. Ford is, is quite the uh, seasoned actor, you know? He's a seasoned actor. And actually, not to surprise you, but this movie actually got nominated a lot of times. It got 12 wins and 19 nominations in total. Yeah, wow. That's a good wow. amount, yeah. Sweat the good. awards. Yeah, and... Uh, so uh, before we also begin talking about, so we picked the final cut because that's the latest and that's how uh, Ridley Scott wanted his movie to be whole, which whole completely. What, what, what is the difference between the final cut, they try to call him director? Well, that's what just, I was uh, wondering. Yeah. Well, well, he, he needed to add some extra scenes, more color that uh, has not been made in theoretical cut specifically. I mean, um, because uh, he didn't, he, there were some m missing pieces that he wanted to add. And uh, since he added, the movie made uh, more sense. Okay. Like, for yeah. example, uh, I can give you some titles. Like, uh, he restored the violence and why it matters. Also, they explained it, the the dream the dream sequence at the end, and uh, and why exactly matters to Ridley Scott specifically is because, like I said, it, you understand exactly who who uh, who actually Decker is in the whole movie. So it's pretty much his Ridley Scott's full vision. On the screen, right? It's not. It's not a cut down version for a theatrical release. Exactly. Yes, because uh, because really Scott was also like, um, what do you call it? Like art. Well, art kind of arguing with others, and uh, and well, he decided just to make sure that everybody, the the movie, that's how he wanted to be, and that's how it's supposed to be. So has this movie always been an hour and fifty minutes, or did it shorten down? With no, with, with with extra scenes and everything, they're being added uh, more minutes. Okay, what's the original like? Do you know? Uh, the original? Uh, I don't remember. I think it was uh, somewhere... Uh, uh, I actually don't remember. Let me check it out. Yeah, it, because if we don't remember, it's not, yeah, it's not a big deal. Let Letterboxd says it's 118 minutes. The, well, okay, and then Final Cut is 157. <sighs> No, it's a uh, wait. Is it? Because <laughs> I, I, isn't the final cut like just under two hours? Yes, I think. Yeah. I think. I think the final yeah. cut is is just under two hours. So yeah, 118 minutes would be an hour and 20 or so, right? An hour and 58. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I said. Man. What did I say? Wait, I'm just so very confused. <laughs> I, I said an hour and 57 minutes. So maybe, maybe Letterboxd has the final cut one on here because they're saying it's 118 minutes, which would be about, you know, an hour and almost, yeah. So yeah, it's not 58. So mm -hmm. yeah, uh, we don't we don't know what the original. Uh, uh, Anyways, <laughs> it, it, it's not important. I mean, yeah, we're gonna be talking about the final cut. <laughs> so if um if you if if someone in the audience is like, I don't remember that scene, it's probably because it was in the final cut and not in okay, the director's I, or I uh, got theatrical. It. I 
actually got it. Uh, so the theatrical uh, will be uh, 114 minutes. The director's cut will be 116 minutes. And the final cut, 117 minutes, pretty much. Okay. Oh, so there really wasn't oh, okay. like no, no like too much added, but it's probably more context was added to some of those scenes, like you said, Kenobi. Yes, yes. They just added like a more specific uh, explanations to to the movie itself. So if I may ask the question, like, so before this version came out, they came out with the director's cut. Is that like all also the same idea to where like they kind of just plan to add the extra explanations? to that and then with the final version they just decided to add more and just actually complete it or what happened with the second version what do you mean the second version the director's cut the director's cut uh they did some changes in there but uh looks like uh really scott wanted to make some more changes and uh, he decided to make the final cut so that's where we have the final cut interesting i mean i mean the majority of viewers that actually love uh blade runner they just decided they, well some of them prefer must the uh, the final cut because they change the kind of the contrast more i think the contrast if i'm not mistaken um well the the scenes that he added and changed were kind of important for the movie itself so so you're, you you would say that the the final cut is the best version of the movie then right yes yes which is contrary to what George Lucas did to Star Wars as a whole. <laughs> he did a lot of things with those extra versions and new releases that a lot of people disagreed with, whereas Final Cut seems like more people agree with the changes made to the, the film. Um, well, you know, I cannot speak for George Lucas because uh, his movies are... A completely different from Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, Star Wars is obviously a whole different genre, but uh, well, not whole different, but slightly different. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, you look at like how George Lucas changed his movies and how he added things like the weird CG dinosaur walking in front of the screen during the Tatooine scene in New Hope. You know, he added like a whole bunch of weird things to the movie, along with fixing some things. But it sounds like what Ridley Scott did is he didn't exactly change anything other than you you were saying some saturation and stuff like that to make the movie look better. And he also added in some scenes for more context instead of like layering on top of what he already had or or completely changing things like taking out the original voice actor for Boba Fett and putting in the guy who does Django Fett, you know. Uh, well, well, I'm pretty sure they had problems before even when doing it i mean you know in every movie uh had their different every actor has their different opinions i mean you have to understand that even when george lucas began his movies it wasn't exactly perfect i mean alec guinness who was playing the old uh, old band kenobi uh he even himself didn't didn't like it the dialogue was very off was very um like one line, like something you would not appreciate because Alec Guinness, he played in a lot of movies before Star Wars and uh, for, for him, everything was like kind of uh, rubbish. And so the dialogue, the dialogue should have been changed and and when the dialogue has been changed, that's when, when actually Alec Guinness, sorry, Sir Alec Guinness actually 
um, decided to play the old bad Kenobi. Well, he played before, but he wasn't very appreciated because he he's uh, his role was he always felt like he wanted to play a much important role, like uh, let's say Lawrence of Arabia or um, uh, what's the other movie I forgot, but j just just to let let you know, you know, like cert like uh, so, yeah. <laughs> But I mean, that was pre-filming yeah. the uh, new, uh, the first Star Wars, though, right? That you know, he George Lucas made those changes to have more Obi Wan Kenobi in, in Star Wars before filming and everything, right? Well, George Lucas is different from Ridley Scott because Ridley Scott. Uh, well, I'm I'm just saying the point still stands that it seems like Ridley Scott's changes to the final cut more people agree with than changes that George Lucas made down the road with the, the original trilogy and how he kind of, you know, added things and subtracted things that people enjoyed about the movie. I mean, there's still the whole controversy about who shot first. Speaking of Harrison Ford, you know, that's one of the most controversial <laughs> scenes in Star Wars now because there's people who say Han shot first, but then it's like, oh, Greedo shot first. And it's like, oh, Han Solo moved his head in a janking manner to dodge the bullet. You know, it's like, it, you know, that those are the kind of things I'm talking about. So when I'm saying like Ridley Scott, did a better job with the final cut. I'm saying like he didn't change things that were crucial to the movie and he didn't change things that were, um, they, they didn't like, you know, they didn't add things that people were like turned off by essentially, you know, like when, when he changed things, it was like, you know, a little fine touches. Whereas George Lucas, he came in there with a sledgehammer and destroyed some things, you know? No, no, basically. Yeah. Basically really saw what he did. The final cut, he just fixed some scenes, he, yeah, he did more finesse way to his movie. And uh, yeah. FYI, this is the part of the podcast where we talk about another movie. <laughs> Gotta throw that in every episode. <laughs> well, I mean, I was trying to compare the, the you know Star Wars to you know because there's a lot of changes that happened to Star Wars, and you know, hearing that there was three different versions of Blade Runner, you know, I, I you know, and plus Star Wars is also another sci-fi movie. I thought it would all work together. Plus, we have Obi Wan Kenobi on this show. Yeah. Right? <laughs> we had to. <yes. laughs> We cannot, it can't be like film fix without talking about a different movie that we're supposed to be talking to about. So, there you go. Right. We checked off that, that, um, what's but, it called? Anyways, keep going. <laughs> yeah, we checked it off the list. Um, but yeah, let, let's, let's focus more in on Blade Runner as a movie. Uh, Kenobi, where would you like to start the conversation on that? So, before I actually begin, I want to say happy birthday to Blade Runner 1982 because turned 40 this year. Ah, happy birthday, Blade Runner! Nice. Yeah, so awesome. I'm I'm kind of happy that uh, we're doing the podcast this year, not next year. <laughs> yeah, 40th anniversary. Wow. So so I have so I have kind of did two parts. We're gonna talk talk about the movie itself, and we're gonna talk about uh, other interesting topics about the movie, like. Uh, when we're we gonna finish, like after reviewing the movie, actually. So we're gonna start by um, evaluating the movie. So how, so how you how you gonna give this opinion to the movie to the other viewers? Wait, I don't think I understand. What were you saying? Well, how do how do you evaluate the movie? Let's say, for example, let's say you start with a, like a journalism. What, what do you give something important? Like, uh, um, is like there what some... would be like the first topic? Like what, like if I was writing a review on this, what would be the first thing that I would write about the movie? Yeah. 
I mean, I would start off with like the visuals and the cinematography. I think that that was really the star of the show. With the music added on in there, it just all blended together perfectly in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Okay. What about uh, you, uh, Green Waffles? So you're saying like how I would like describe the movie to people, or? Well, um, how would you like begin a conversation? Uh, like 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 your opinions should be explained to allow the reader to determine whether they will agree with your opinion. I I agreed that uh, what Yemi was saying is like the it's visually uh, pleasing and really interesting story, but I will also say it was a little hard to follow and it's a little bit snooze fest at times. Is that what you're kind of thinking? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, yeah. You know, so the cinematography, the view, the everything, the music. Yeah, all that was, was great. Much and, excellent. Yeah. Yeah, and the uh, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the wardrobe. What's the word again? What's that word? Um, no, that's that's the word. Yeah, the wardrobe. wardrobe. Yeah, yeah, that was all pleasing, and uh, that was all costumes. Uh, that the was set all design. Nice. Set design was good. I liked all that. That was really cool. Yeah, they they did an amazing job building the world of Blade Runner, and mm. it's it's actually quite interesting. Like we watched Soil and Green not too long ago, and how different those two renditions of, you know, the twenty twenties are. You know, yeah, it's how our crazy. world is supposed to be nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Callus? Um. Well, I would just have to say how the I. <laughs> I guess I agree with like both of you in a way to where like I was very intrigued by the story and like the characters, the world, like everything looks so visually cool. But at the same time, it, everything kind of just progressed very slow, which it's not not really like a criticism. It being slow, it's just like a slower pace. It's just like what the movie was going for. But yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Yeah, but I mean, there was also a few things that I was kind of confused about that you know. Hopefully, we can talk about as we get to. That's that's why I separated the the moving two parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I in my in my little blurb that I write to remind myself about the movie, I um I said that it was both really engaging but somehow really boring at the same time, and I I don't know when I think back to the movie, like I was like so like. There's a there's a sequence where um, Decker is you know kind of interrogating the snake lady and then they go through that chasing and I thought that was really really well done like that whole section and then you then I think the parts of the movie where it's like you know it's Harrison Ford and he's just kind of like st- sitting there talking to someone and I'm like wow this is really starting to drag a little bit is it it's weird it, it's weird because I really love the world they built and I really love like the story that they're building and the and like just how engaging this movie is on a visual level and then i feel like the story like parts of the story and dialogue and stuff and it just kind of lags behind a little bit yeah even in like parts where like nothing is happening and everything's just like dragging on i was like looking at the screen i was like you know what uh the visuals are still cool like the way this particular scene was shot like the way the lights are shining up with this and that and everything just looks really cool it's just everything just uh progresses very slow well it does progress very slow but uh, in the other when you watch the movie you kind of understand why progress very slow like towards you you kind of understand why it goes towards the end because um we can see that deckard what what is trying to do because what task the what task has been given to him 
that he needs to accomplish. Because yeah, um, that, I mean, that's all, that's all interesting. I'm not going to say it's not, but I, I just feel like there there is a part of the movie where it's like I'm really engaged, but then there's other parts of the movie where I'm kind of not zoning out, but I'm just kind of like watching and going, okay, you know, like I I don't mind movies that are very dialogue forward. That's not a problem. It's just there were parts of the movie I just I felt like were really slow and they didn't have the same momentum as other scenes. Mm-hmm. In my um, the part where it's right in the beginning where he's like my mother, I just thought of your uh, your stream, yummy, where you're like my mom. <laughs> <laughs> I I chuckled at that. <laughs> Shall right. we uh, begin talking about like uh, specific scenes from the movie? Um, we can talk about specific scenes if you want. You want to talk about specific scenes? Yeah, sure. I mean, where do we even start? <laughs> Go ahead, Callus. Brought it up. Oh man. <laughs> well, <laughs> I I was hoping someone else would start because all I can think of is just like scenes that are near the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well i mean we could we could start with just the the opening scene with the um because it's not really clear i mean obviously they're kind of throwing you into the situation where the the nexus guy is being given those questions and um i thought that was really it was really confusing to start off with that because it's like well i don't know anything about this world yet but you're just throwing me into this situation where you know he's asking all these questions and obviously it gets a little bit more explained later on How'd you guys find the introduction? Well, I I am going to say that I have seen this movie before. I believe it was the director's cut, but that was, you know, years ago. So I barely remember anything about this. But I do remember that, you know, it was um, because he was an they were they thought he was a replicant. So that's why they were giving him the test. I do remember that. But I do remember, like, the first time I saw the movie with the director's cut, I was very confused throughout the whole thing. So, yeah, I don't understand how you feel. Well, I don't know about you, but I felt like uh, when it started, I pretty much got this feeling that oh, it, it's not gonna start pretty good, you know, because you 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 can you already see the atmosphere, how the people were living, so you pretty much guessed that is a a dystopian um, a world. And, yeah, they and, do a good, good job and, and, setting and, the scene, for sure. Yeah, and when it's already started, you see Decker is just buying some food and, and, and trying to eat, and every time uh, <laughs> the the friend's, the friend's detective, uh, Gaff, that's his name, comes in and, and talks in uh, what they call the CD-speak language. Is that the Edward James Oldsmo's characters? That's Elder James almost character. Yes, I, I was very confused by him. <laughs> I have many questions about him. <laughs> well, well, you know, um, well, yeah. I, I I thought he like he stood out like a sore thumb in this world, but I really liked his character. Be, you know, making the origami figures and stuff and leaving them everywhere. Well, there's a reason for that uh, as well. Why he made I, it? I would love to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, enlightenment. We're gonna get to it. We're gonna get oh, to it. You're gonna keep yeah. us waiting. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. No. All right. So, so the well, 
Okay, fine. The reason he makes origami <laughs> is because he knows the true, uh, the true identity of Deckard, pretty much. Mm. That's why he makes origamis. I mean, if you remember the last scene, what he said to Deckard before uh, he he runs off with um, with Rachel. Do you guys remember what he said? Yeah. He said what that we said. all die soon or something like that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got, you got it right. Yeah. And uh, do you guys remember what was the last origami that, that Decker seen before the end before the end of the credits? Oh was I just a, now put person? it together. No, it wasn't. I it wasn't just put person. it together. <laughs> Okay, hold on. I just came to a big realization. So the last origami was a unicorn, which oh, yeah, yeah. previously had the the dream about. I was like very confused by that dream, and I was like wondering like where did it come from and what has to do with anything. But I just now put it together. <laughs> yeah, because androids have memories implanted in them. They're so not yeah. called. They're not called androids. Well, yeah, Nexus or whatever replicants. Re replicants. To um. Yeah, they call replicants, not androids. They've been called androids in the in the novel, not in the movie. Actually, the whole replicant uh, name is being created for the movie. Actually. Oh, so was this like the first point. movie that used that term? Then. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. Wow, there you go. Oh, wow. Groundbreaking. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one Never thing that I was uh, one thing that I was like kind of thrown off by is um. So the first time I've seen this movie years ago, I kind of remember them making it kind of more clear that he was an android. But when I watched it this time, like by the end of the day, I wasn't sure if he was or not. And I was like wondering if, if I had just, I don't know what happened, but is that something that they made clearer before and now they're like leaving it a bit more vague? Well, that's where the final cut is. That's where you see the final origami, the last scene for the dream sequence, so you will, so you understand that uh, actually Deckard is a replicant, pretty much, and not a human. Yeah, that's, that's like what a I'm saying. Like, feel at the end. Yeah, because... that's what I'm saying. It was like more clearer the first time I saw it than this time. <laughs> it was like yeah, I wonder if that that probably was one of the changes made then. Yeah, pretty much. So yeah, okay, so yeah. I guess I probably would have liked the movie less with the director's cut because I liked that ending reveal kind of thing that happened you know yeah also like rachel even mentions during or maybe it was after the test the um, you know has decker ever taken a test himself and that was also like a little hint there too which i yeah i went back and thought of at the end of the movie uh well it's uh there been actually a debate before between the fans well the fans and the Ridley Scott, when he was asked before if actually Deckard is a replicant or not, and uh, Ridley Scott has said himself, I mean, all the signs were the point towards that he's a replicant, pretty much. While, while there was an interview with Harrison Ford, Harrison Ford said he's, he's not a replicant. But based from a actor's point of view, from a director, that's kind of hard to argue because the director knows the movie most than the actor himself, himself, you know? Right. And, you know, he's also, I mean, it's, it seems like when the director cut came out, he was maybe a little bit too heavy handed with the, um, with that. And then when the final cut came out, that's when he finessed it to 
be more of like a surprise at the end. That's what yes. it sounds like to me. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what he was trying to make. That's what I'm gonna say. That's why the final cut is like a whole whole movie completed, pretty much for him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's a good thing that we watched this version because I think I wouldn't have liked the more in-your-face um, director's cut. I think. I, I mean, also... I think it was still like subtle. Like, it wasn't. I don't think they made it like that in your face. It's just. I, well, the way I, you I were describing it, like, <laughs> yeah. I'm just going off of what yours guys are saying. I, no, I know what I, I what I said is like it was a little bit more obvious to me, like from the director's cut when I finished that, to 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 where like it was just a little bit more confused in this one. But I, I don't think they threw like anything out that was like extremely obvious, you know. Right. Okay. So. so... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I guess um, we can. You guys, anything else specific since the talk, or we can a little bit move on to actors. Yeah, the other scene that I wanted to mention was a scene that made me really uncomfortable, and it was the scene where Harrison Ford almost forces himself on Rachel. Yeah. Um, it's like kiss me. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was very, very weird. Um, I don't know. <laughs> It just kind of made me uncomfortable because, I mean, she was she was walking out. I mean, if they had left it where Harrison Ford was reaching out towards her and that was it, I've been like, that's fine. But I mean, he goes over there, he shuts the door, he he forces a kiss on her, and I'm like, okay, this is getting weird. That scene also took way too long. Like for her, like like I don't know if I was just kind of like just ready to move on at that point, but it was just like them leading in, leading in, felt like it took like it's, ten minutes, and then she left. I was like, oh jeez. Um, well, I think, uh, Decker was trying to prove that I think kiss me in a way, uh, it's a more of an emotional response because he knows that she's a replicant and replicants, as you know, they don't, they don't have those emotional feelings. I mean, they do have it, but they're not trying to like, uh, they kind of understand, but they, they don't. Like, they don't know, like, exactly where it is, like a human does. Because I don't know if you, I guess you guys remember when they took the the Void Camp uh, test. Well, the Void test. Yeah. And be asking every questions about, um, like, what you're going to do in the situation, blah, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, they're trying to figure out how emotionally they will respond. And that's how they they. And that's how they figure out if he's if the if the actually the person is a replicant or a human, you know. I, I thought at that point Rachel already knew that she was a replicant, though. She knew, she knew, but maybe she w- wasn't given a much um, freedom to ask because she was always pretty much around uh, Tyrell. I mean, may- maybe she knew. But we don't know that. It's not been mentioned somewhere in the in the movie uh, that we know so far. Well, I I don't know if they mentioned that somewhere else, maybe in the movies or somewhere. It was it was more like implied that she knew. Yes, exactly. It was more implied that she knew, but but it wasn't exactly like like she figured out that maybe she is, maybe she's not. Because remember, remember the scene when. He, uh, he took the test in her after doing the questions. He asked, she doesn't know, right? Like, he even yeah. asked Tyrell, and Tyrell was very, uh, was very positive that, well, 
uh, was very positive that probably, well, like maybe or not, you know, like so this, this type of um, answer. Yeah, I, I was under the assumption by that scene that she had, she already had, because cause, cause didn't she even ask, I, I feel like she already knew by that point. Like, I thought it was pretty I, cut and dry, clear that she knew. No, I well, think you were right. Like, she did ask, like, uh, she, she said something like, oh, uh, I'm a replicant, aren't I, or something like that, didn't she? I Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, unless I have the scenes reversed in my head. But I, I feel like, because I, I, I remember when I was watching Harrison Ford doing, you know, tongue kissing her, I was like, he, he knows she's a replicant. She knows she's a replicant, right? And so it's, hmm. I don't know. It's possible I have the scenes backwards or, or something, but I, I, I swear that she knew that uh, she was a replicant by the time that that scene came around. No, actually, uh, she she didn't know that she was a replicant before. Uh, probably, she, probably after making the test with uh, Decker. She started to suspect because uh, because imagine when you when you make a let, let's say you make a replicant right you're gonna remember how they make a replicant right they make them very strong but they also implant them with false memories. Well, that's the other thing. Doesn't she crumple up the photo and throw it on the floor in in that same scene where she asks Decker if he's taken the test before, which well, is before the the sex scene. But nobody knows if Decker took the test or not. Well, I'm just saying she, Rachel knew that she was a replicant at that point because she crumples up the photo. She goes, "Oh, they implanted these memories in my that's, head." That's 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 because that's because uh, Decker kind of helped her out to to understand that she actually a replicant, and so he right. was so so he was starting to push push her more emotionally, like you know, because because us humans were always dri driven more emotionally. So that's what he's trying to go. Like, I, that's my that's my take. Okay, well that that makes more sense there. Then that makes more sense now that you explain that because, you know, from from the perspective of just me watching the movie, you know, I go, oh wow, he's really forcing himself here. This is a real Me Too moment. When I mean, it's it's still kind of awkward. Don't get me wrong, but it makes a little bit more sense now that he's showing her what real human emotion is or whatever. Well, you have to understand that. He also a Blade Runner, which he hunts the replicants. So for him, seeing this type of model is it's kind of new, you know. Yeah. Okay. Well, that that does clear it up a little bit for me. That's for sure. I. I... All right. Yeah. <laughs> Any other scenes you guys want want to discuss? Um, because there's a few floating around in my head. Yeah. Uh, well, one of the ones I wanted to talk about is um, well, kind of like a. A collection of scenes of when um whenever Deckard kills one of these replicants they just go like completely visceral with the visuals and just seeing like the slow motion blood splatters and like the the brutal deaths i just noticed how like every death they just kind of kind of extended it and made it like uh you know like the word that yemi loves so much visceral <laughs> <laughs> yeah it seems like the guns that they use um do a lot of impact damage for sure. Well, yeah. I, um, I don't know much, but I think maybe those are special bullets. I haven't checked myself actually. It would uh, make sense that they're special bullets because obviously the uh, replicants are much stronger than than humans. So you would think that they would have to make like a a bullet that does as much damage as it possibly can. Yeah, I mean, it's not like they're using they laser shots in this, yeah. 
It showed well, Jens a lot. It seems like. Well, well, yeah, yeah. The, well, it had to make. Well, it could be also because they were also uh, kind of made it cybernetically, so they were right differently compared to a human, actually, too. Yeah. That's yeah. It's possible that when you hit them with a bullet, something inside them explodes too. You know, does the uh, <laughs> massive exit wound. But I, you know, the, the little bits of action that were in this movie were were pretty good. the The only, the only action scene that I was really just like, kind of confused by was um the scene. It's 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 kind of towards the end where he's fighting the um, the uh, replicant who pretend who's pretending to be the doll. And she does like the gymnastics, lands on his head, and he's trying to snap his neck. Harrison Ford turns around and faces her, <laughs> and then for some reason she jumps off of him. Like you have the kill shot there, you know, you you yeah. you can you can kill him right there. I just don't understand why she jumped off of Harrison Ford or Decker at that point. <laughs> I feel like she she had him where she wanted him because she had to do some backy flips and well, that's that's <laughs> what ended up getting her killed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was for uh, for the line. <laughs> I was also very confused by that. Like at first, it seemed like she was like twisting his neck and actually about to break his yeah, neck. Yeah, that was yeah, just his body that. being turned around. Well, yeah, he turned around his, his body to counteract the neck being twisted. I would, mm. That's what I, that's what I got because eventually his head was all the way turned around, and it definitely yeah. wasn't snapped at that point. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I thought it, it was, was, like, was going to be like big reveal that he was like a robot or something. I was like, what? <laughs> He turned into Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I don't. It just seemed like very flashy for her to just want to run away just so you can come back doing cartwheels or whatever. Yeah, that, that's like the only action scene do. that I thought was kind of iffy. I thought the rest of them were, were really good. And I, well, I thought the ending part with um, the blonde haired one was like, not only was it a really good action scene, but it was also really suspenseful. Yeah. Those poor fingers. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's interesting fact. I just figured out. Apparently, the in, in the novel, the Angel's Dream of Electric Ship, the bullets are described as a kind of laser bolt. So hmm. probably that's what they're been u- using pretty much. So that's why when you hit him, you know, he hits pretty much hard. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And especially, and especially, and especially, like you said, they're they're replicants. He has to use a some kind of a a tough weapon weapon to kill them. Yeah, they did a good job of making the guns look beefy too. Like they don't look like a, a you know a regular pistol or something. They, they, no. The guns look cool too. <laughs> yeah. So so for the answer for the for um God damn it, what's her name again? For the yeah, I was I was gonna look it up. I just I just called the doll girl. <laughs> the doll girl. <laughs> Anakin drum. Ah right. Um Pris, Pris, yes, Pris. Uh, the reason I think she played gymnasium is because I don't, I don't, I don't remember if you guys remember when, um, when the chief uh, showed him the four replicants that got escaped. He showed them what kind of spe- specialty the replicants wear, and you have to understand they, they, they've been in plenty of uh, those. Uh, those different planets that have been exploited, you may say, I don't know, been used, whatever you want to call them, what I call it. And so they pretty much know uh, tactical warfare, and so they know also psychological warfare, you know? Yeah, so, I guess. I, yeah. I, and, 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 like, you have to understand, the whole movie is like a, it's like a, it's like a poetic movie itself, too, you know? 
Well, yeah, it, it it's just it does, it kind of boggles my mind that she would jump off of him though at that point when she's yeah. about to snap his neck. Yeah, <laughs> like I understand like they're trying to be artsy with that, but it's like. <laughs> You know, we, we, uh, we can we can have a but, different way for her to be yeah, thrown off of him. But yeah. you have to understand, those replicas can kill. You've seen how they killed before. They killed the right. first guy. They killed, they killed the first guy with the eye genetics, with the eyeballs genetics and everything very easily. Just take it in, do that, and dead, you know? So sometimes I just wonder, probably they, since they've been so much in warfare or whichever their business they were doing, I think they just like to savor the moment of someone's death, you know. Exactly. Because you, you see that um, you see that happen with uh, with Rutger Hauer's character when he snaps off Decker's fingers, like he, he before letting go, he gives the gun back. He places it in his hand, <laughs> like he actually nice. gives him the gun back. Yeah, you can definitely oh, yeah, see that definitely in his character. That. Um, and his character was uh, Roy, I believe. Yeah, uh, Batty. Roy, yes. Batty. Batty. Yeah, I thought that he was a really good like main antagonist for the for the film. I I do wish that we had seen a little bit more of him before the finale, though. Yeah, and you really don't like understand him until he gouges that guy's eyes out. You're like, oh, so that's how it's gonna be. <sighs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, that whole conversation between him and his maker was was just so perfectly written. Um, and I mean, it got to the point where I wasn't expect, I mean, I, I knew he was going to kill him some, sometime, but yeah. I wasn't expecting him to do it like that. And so, and so, well, viscerally, at least I'm just for a kiss. kiss. Yeah. yeah. At least yeah. He well, actually I've been reading some, uh, some, um, some articles and, uh, someone mentioned that actually the kiss that he did to Tyrell, he just, enjoys he just kind of understood what life is but also kills him because what he did to him you know a replicant that lives for life it's not something that a replicant will say well it's not reasonable you know <laughs> yeah those, i mean the replicants are only supposed to live for four years um and I, I love those lines where it's like ah you know the 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 strongest spark grows brightest um you know like faster or quick which whatever the line was i thought that was a really good line in there because it describes them perfectly you know especially yeah, with it, when when they uh rebel you know yeah yeah, yeah it is interesting yeah. it is interesting to note. i'm sorry kenobi it's interesting to note that in the 2049 movie um there's several different scenes where the replicant will kiss the person that they're killing um so maybe there is a deeper explanation for that yeah there is um um well like i said it's because the the, the so i i think those moments are kind of meant to understand life i think i'm not sure though i uh, maybe they um, um how can you say it like they understand what's life like in a way you know yeah, yeah. maybe it, it's just, it just shows like that emotional build from them i don't know emotional growth it is it is it is emotional growth as well because uh, they understand it's kind of maker the maker is smart the blah 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 he made them smart and uh like the the uh it, it's 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 like uh they understand what the, it's like i i guess it means just they understood like they understood like mm -hmm. what is it what what 
he meant like you know that's obviously the kiss like it could be also like a kiss farewell like here you go man <laughs> yeah it could be that too you know <laughs> maybe they don't understand the point of the kiss yeah uh, maybe yeah. that's how they say bye <laughs> yeah like scary movie scary three movie, kicking yeah. someone in the balls like, goodbye goodbye <laughs> kiss bye. well well actually yeah actually the kiss is uh it's empathy that's what they try to do it's empathy towards the empathy uh, interesting empathy yeah it's 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 a sort of like when to show uh yeah i know it's interesting you know right before the kill like i said they just love i guess they just love like savoring people you know yeah I mean, yeah. you know, his his character, um, um, Batty, I, he was the he was the one who understood like life and death the best out of all the replicants. I mean, you know, you, you look at the other three replicants that he was with, and you know, it seemed like he was the one who understood the best uh, what what life can be. And I, I guess that's kind of like the main subject of the story is like you know yeah, doing yeah. what you you know the best you can with the life that you're given almost. That's correct. Well, yeah, but I think in some of them they understood, but uh, you have to understand they all been made uh, for different purposes. For different purposes, and I think for uh, for Roy Batty, he's been made differently as well because uh, because well we remember that uh, the, even the makers himself says, "Oh, I remember you. I made sure this or this. Remember?" Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, when they says who made the brain design, who made the intelligence, whatever, and that's where we find out it's actually Ty- Tyrell when he went with uh, Sebastian. All right. Uh, any other scenes you guys want to discuss here? No? Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, there's a lot of scenes, of course, that we missed, but... Um... I'm pretty sure we go along the way. Yeah, I'm... I'm, I'm yeah. Uh, so Kenobi, you wanted to talk. Uh, you had like a second part to what you wanted to talk about. Well, I, I didn't finish. Well, I was thinking, oh. how you guys think about actors? Oh yeah, uh, the acting was phenomenal Act, in the yeah, movie. Yeah, acting was great. Um, Harrison Ford killed it as always. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I think Harrison Ford was like the best. Maybe not the best, but he was a really good pick for um, for the Blade Runner character and. Uh, you know, I, I think of like, you know, there's the fifth element with um, what's his face, diehard guy, Bruce Willis. Willis. Bruce Willis, and like he just doesn't fit in the sci-fi setting. But Harrison Ford, I mean, obviously with Star Wars and now in, in with Blade Runner, I mean, he just he kind of fits that profile that he was going for. Would Would you actually believe me if I say I kind of like Harrison Ford better in the Blade Runner than in Star Wars a little bit? <laughs> oh wow! Okay. Yeah, I mean, no, I like. For the I character, liked... he he definitely plays two different characters. He's not the same character in both of them. No, um, and it, it it does seem like he you know he does more acting per se in Blade Runner than in his Han Solo. Um, exactly. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you remember, but Harrison Ford he he wanted out with uh, in the last movie Return of the Jedi because he found his. Uh, uh, well, well, the role kind of a two way, and he didn't like it. You know, he's just a tug. Reds to go there, help with the ship. You know, there was nothing like special. He was just like a space pirate, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so he he said to George Lucas one time, you, know, you should kill me off. You know, and George Lucas said, no, 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just is a decline. <laughs> and uh, after a few years, uh, well, we know what happens. Well, actually, it's not canon. It's not canon. Aramith, move on. <laughs> yeah, we, 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 that's a whole other can of worms we don't want to open up right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, any any other actors that you actually enjoyed? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, Rutger well, Hauer was, was awesome in this, too. That's what actually, I was going to say. Yeah, Rutger Hauer. Actually, I like Rutger Hauer. I watched two of his movies, and I like two of his movies as well. I seen, I didn't see all of them, but... Uh, uh, he, he definitely had good roles in each of the movies that he was in that I've seen of him, like Batman Begins and Sin City. Uh, he had two really good roles in there. Um, yeah, he's, he's been was, a bunch of movies really in the. Yeah, he's been a bunch of movies like in the eighties and nineties, and I every time I see him, I do like his work, his, well, his acting. Well, I I seen two movies, two movies that I really liked. It was The Hitcher and uh, Flesh and Blood. Mm, okay. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, but I'm just I'm just saying because even there he kind of killed the roles to be has a has a an uh, antagonist even there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. And then, um, I mean, you know, Rachel obviously did a, the person who played Rachel Sean Young did a good job, and I also thought that. Um, Sebastian, the guy who played Sebastian, I thought he he was also really good in the movie too. Well, actually, there's a fun fact for the way how they created uh, Rachel. It's based on the Hollywood look, actually. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you know. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. you noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, also a fun fact about uh, Roger Howard, uh, Ridley Scott hired hired him without even knowing him. Really? Oh, yeah. No, no, no cast. Just like, here you go, buddy. I don't know you, but here you go. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> well, hey, it yeah. worked out. It worked yeah. out very well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That is the decision ever. Yeah. Well, yeah. even even before with the fun facts, we, I go on there. I want to start with Deckard, actually. With Deckard, uh, even for Deckard, they try, they try to pick some different actors, but they decide to go just for Harrison Ford. Yeah, it's true. They were like trying to cast uh, uh, Dustin Hoffman, some other actors like Clint Eastwood, but looks like uh, Harrison Ford got the part. Oh man, I couldn't even imagine Clint Eastwood in this part. <laughs> 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 yeah. I mean, uh, I, I, if this movie had more of a western feel, then I'd be like, oh yeah, sure, Clint Eastwood. But this is definitely more noir than than western. You know, it's like a sci-fi definitely. noir. Yeah, it is a sci-fi noir. It's a, actually it's tech noir, sci-fi tech noir. Oh, you got to be specific now, huh? Okay. <laughs> well, actually, if you want to be more specific, oh, here we I, go. I, I don't know if you... Well, it's one term specific, but this movie goes to uh, hard sci-fi and not uh, soft sci-fi. What sci-fi? Soft. There's oh. soft sci-fi and there's hard sci-fi. I see. I see. Interesting. You guys know what's a hard sci-fi? No, maybe... I'm I'm gonna uh, guess that a hard sci-fi is when every actor takes Viagra. <laughs> <laughs> the soft one is when they're uh, recording in the winter. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, go ahead and explain it, Kenobi. Well, hard sci-fi is more of a science fiction accuracy, let's say. 
It's a uh, it's a scientific accuracy and precise technical details as part of his world building, pretty much. Okay. While while the soft spot soft sci-fi, it's something that they talk more about like uh, politics, uh, like uh, like 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 Star Wars, Star Trek, Battle you know? Star Galactica. Yeah, space opera. A lot of space operas are part of. Uh, 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 soft sci-fi, actually. So, would you say that Dune is hard or soft sci-fi? Dune, Ooh, um... that was definitely hard sci-fi. Yeah, I said that's be hard. Yeah, because this has a lot to do with um, like the whole the more deeper plot and like the politics between different factions and stuff like that. Well, soft sci-fi, it's uh, uh it's something that uh. The, the which more puts like on psychology, so society, culture, politics. They also have less emphasis on math, engineering, biology, computer science. Something we don't, we didn't see that in, uh, of course, Blade Runner because they explained it very well how the replicants were been made, pretty much. Like we we understand how they've been made and why they've been made, in the, in, the, in, in scientific firms. Yeah, with a, with a few lines of text, they they set up the movie really well. Yeah. So uh, one so, thing that I that I wanted to bring up, uh, did you have anything else to add, Kenobi? Uh yeah, it was just a question that uh, Callus asked, or if actually Dune is a soft sci-fi or a hard sci-fi. Um. I think it's um. Soft sci-fi mode, I think, but I'm not sure though. Okay, mm, interesting. Yeah, I, I feel like it sounds more like a hard sci-fi, but um, well, that's okay. It's a, it's not the movie we're talking about, so it, it's, yeah, it's a movie. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to just, I know, I we like I said at the beginning of the podcast, we watched Soil and Green not too long ago, which is a movie that takes place um, in the around the same time as this one. Uh, this one takes place in 2019. I believe Soil and Green was like 2020, something like that, right? 2022. Um, 2022. So just how different these people saw the future of the world. You know, one is, you know, like this big built-up city in Blade Runner with robots and flying cars and stuff. And then you have Soil and Green, which is like completely the opposite, where everything's desolate. There's not enough food. There's millions and millions and millions of people. Um, how, how, like, did you guys think about that while watching the movie? I definitely did. <laughs> the one thing that both, both, uh, have in common is that they're both like very overcrowded. <laughs> like every time yeah. you see Harrison Ford getting yeah. from place to place, it's like, he's brushing up against so many people. And well, and during that, that, that chasing with the snake woman too, like that, yeah. that was also <laughs> like, he was pushing through people trying, he, he went through like the, the bus at one point they they get across the street. Yeah, but the way I see it, it's like the the two movies, like the the past, the quote unquote past for each setting is like completely different in what in that, you know, for Soul and Green they had run out of food or resources or whatever, so they you know they set up that future where like nothing is really futuristic and everything's kind of been held back. Mm-hmm. But I feel with like with Blade Runner, everything is thriving and you know there is enough resources for everything to to be built up. Yeah. Yeah, they're both dystopian in their own ways, I guess you could say. Yeah. Greedy? Um, yeah, I agree that it's, um, you know, the overcrowdedness, especially with the ch- chase, was um, very replicant. But other than that, I really didn't 
compare the two because like one is so far in the future where we make all these like technology changes that we you know expected in the future whereas silent green was like a couple steps back where everyone wanted these changes but didn't get it that makes sense okay um we should also talk about the music which was brought up earlier but i wanted to you know bring it back again and and uh yeah i loved the the soundtrack the synthesizers the way that uh everything was kind of like interwoven with the scenes mm -hmm. i thought that that was uh, one of the standout things about this movie that i really enjoyed yeah great great soundtrack um a little overbearing at times but um i thought it was it was just such a cool and like you know i, I love the music for like sci-fi movies and games because they're all they always got that synthesizer in there that that just makes everything sound so much cooler you know <laughs> Actually, the the music for the Blade Runner, uh, it's uh, there's a lot of key refer points. That is a early sound wave, actually. That would make sense. Yeah, I mean, it's basically is a, a kind of a early sound wave genre. So that's why the create the the artist Vangelis created very phenomenal music which goes very well with the atmosphere so i, I really like it was very amazing for me it was like uh, seven heaven from the sky itself <laughs> yeah yeah i agree like the atmosphere and the music blend so well together it, it's it's there they go hand in hand very easily and that's pretty cool that he i mean he kind of forged a way for the more synth wave type style i guess you could say yeah. Well, yeah, you can... obviously, was... there was some. <laughs> Sorry, no, go ahead. <laughs> so, uh, so no, like obviously there was some other type of similar music that we know, like from John Carpenter, like the thing, pretty much, like like the thing, pretty much. Yeah. But uh, the way how this has been created, it's been created very differently. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, uh, you know, music aside. This movie seemed to have inspired like so many other future projects, whether it be like movies, games, or whatever. I see just so much inspiration coming from that originated like with Blade Runner. Okay, um, so so uh, uh, before yeah, I, I go, to, yeah. So before I step to part two, uh, we talked about uh, the cinematography, how it was it so amazing, how it's been shot, right? Yeah, we mentioned yeah. that at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. so. So, how do you like the storyline? Pretty much, like, was there something, something memorable, something predictable? Which you like, probably. Were, I know that you were thinking much, you know, a lot too. So I guess uh, it was a kind of a heavy movie on you sometimes, huh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it it did take me a minute to kind of understand what was exactly going on. Like, they started at a very awkward moment with that conversation between, you know, they're trying to figure out the one guy's a replicant or not. Um, but once once it gets going with the plot, I, I, it becomes much easier to follow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. yeah so this is the type of movie that you would you like. It benefits from like second or third viewings. You know, if you want to go there to where there's so many subtle hints being thrown here and there, and like the yeah, the plot itself is very intriguing, and it's the kind of movie where like I'm. Even though it's kind of slow, I didn't really... The first time I watched it, I didn't really have a desire to watch it a second time. But watching it this time, uh, you know, I 
kind of uh, understood a little bit more, and I did enjoy this viewing more than I did the first time. That's what happens with the Byrona movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, just from talking with you guys, I think I've I've already come around to liking it a little bit more. Um, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things. Is like I, you know, I'm also a pretty big sci-fi fan. I mean, Mass Effect one, two, and three are three of my favorite games ever. Um, so you know, a movie like this. I, I kind of look at it with a bit of a more finer microscope, uh, microscope, but um, yeah, I think I've, I think uh, you know, there were some things that were fixed in my mind, uh, well, just th- just through conversation with you guys. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, a little, I bumped it up a little bit, but it was still a snooze fest a little bit. Did you want, um, did you want to, you know, talk a little bit about about that? Yeah, sure, like. Me personally, or just as a group. Well, I mean, we we can chime in if we need to. Uh, yeah, just felt like you know it started off great, started off interesting, and then just kind of dips down a little bit in the middle of the movie, and then obviously the ending. Uh, I don't want to say the ending. I'm gonna say you no know, about maybe 16 minutes left of the movie started getting good again and interesting, but that whole middle part it was just like uh, I don't know if you guys agree. I mean, I, I, I kind of uh, know what you're saying. Um, I, I think that the movie is interesting enough that, you know, it, it makes the, the, the boring, the more slower parts uh, worth it to, to sit through. Um, but like I said before, too, like, you know, they're, they're, it's like an extremely engaging movie while also being like a, a bit boring as well throughout as well. Mm-hmm. I, I, that was a bad sentence, but you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, we, we get what you're putting down. It's called character development. We can see we can see which character we need, which character we don't need, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So and uh, so basically, already know which replicant is gonna be, which replicant is gonna be smart or not. I'm like, hmm. You mentioned those. Do they evolve that much? <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah. So basically, uh, I've been mentioned earlier that um, the book is called uh, "Do Electric Ships Dream um, Forever." That that sounds right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, do androids dream of electric ships? Sorry. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, the movie is called Blade Runner. So I just want to mention a few that the the book and the movie itself themselves are completely two different uh, subjects. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, subject. Because uh, because of the novel, Deckard is a human. He did the test. He passed it. Also, in the book, uh, what they call it, it's uh, WWT, which is World War Terminus, is after. A radi- radioactive fallout, pretty much, where you know, pretty much everything's dead. So, animals needs to be conserved. There's a lot. There's been some religions created, and uh, like I said before, mentioned before, the androids are being called androids and not uh, replicants. In short, the quantum entities. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, because like I said before, it's. Uh, the replicant has been used in the script, actually. So, so yeah, I mean, it, you know, you could tell that the movie was based off of the book. It wasn't like, it wasn't like um, a retelling. You know, it, it was based off of the material, not a retelling of the story beat by beat. 
yeah does so the name, uh, uh, i was just gonna ask like does the name blade runner s is supposed to signify something like is it just something that sounds cool or is well harrison ford blade is runner a blade runner he he hunts the the replicants well no what i'm asking is the name itself blade runner like why are they called that within in the context of the, their world blade like, runner? Know, yeah so why are Blade Runners called Blade Runners? Is what you're asking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> they have to go. They go after the. It it does explain in the beginning of the movie. Well, he's asking like, where's the do. name Blade Runner come from? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, maybe maybe Kenobi has some information on that. I do know where it actually comes from. Uh, I, it's um, so we're gonna. Looks like we're gonna jump right straight to the facts. Sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, uh, the title Blade Runner actually it comes from it's been borrowed from a different book entirely, from actually two books, which is called also a Blade Runner as well, which also has been an early novel, which also been written by uh, Alan E. Norse and William Z. Wellen S. Burrow which is a movie actually being called Blade Runner, which uh, they have different meanings in there. One is completely something about medical or something like that. I don't remember. And the daughter one means something else. And, uh, and so the title has been taken from a different novel to the film base. So in, in that other novel, is, is the Blade Runner the same job or is it like completely different? No, it's completely different, different, different story. Completely different. It has nothing to do with uh, killing replicants or okay. hunting uh, androids or whichever, whichever. So, so basically, know, they're just called Blade Runners because it sounds cool. That's basically <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess so. I don't know. I haven't actually. I haven't checked really Scott to, to say, "Hey, what do you call Blade Runner? Blade Runner?" <laughs> But the time, well, yeah, but... something. Yeah, I was just curious about that. Did you have any more fun facts for us, Kenobi? Uh, I do actually. I do. So I don't know if you guys know, but remember when ever James all almost uh, started speak, speaking city speak? It's actually yeah, very confused it, by that. Well, actually, it's a it's a it's a something they made it specifically for that character it's a mix of language uh asian and european like uh, japanese uh, spanish german and uh even the edward james almost like created something on his own by adding a few other languages like hungarian chinese and french so th the whole bunch it was very like confusing of course you know hmm. yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah it's really interesting <laughs> Something that they definitely didn't explain in the movie. No, I didn't expect. But you have to also guess. You, the time is different, and uh, so the so, and uh, as you see, there've been a lot of immigrants in the Los Angeles. It's been based in Los Angeles, so there's a lot of immigrants coming there, and and from the time I guess it just got mixed up with different languages in there so they they had their own pretty much which you call in other words you just call it seed speak because is we're going from something old to the future let's say and they have their own languages probably yeah. 
I mean, you know, it's like, let's say if we're going from here to 100 years uh, in the future, yeah, who knows? Maybe none of us are going to speak English, like international language. Somebody, we're probably going to speak something that makes between English and Chinese or something else. I'm just, fun fact, you know, just give them my thoughts. Yeah, I mean, it just it's kind of like how, you know, America's the great big melting pot, right? So eventually it seems like all the dialects kind of form together. From yeah. the immigrant, from all the people who immigrated and, and stuff like that, which is a really cool concept. Like that, that that actually makes a lot of sense when you think about it. Yeah, it's yeah, very yeah. interesting that they thought we we're going to be there in just forty years. <laughs> well, <laughs> less than forty years. You know, at the time when they were writing this movie, and even Soil and Green, I mean, you know, twenty twenty was so far off for them. You know, right? <laughs> they probably they probably weren't even thinking like, oh, are we? You know, is this really going to be? I mean, maybe it's what they hoped the world would be like. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, it, to put it into context, that's like us thinking about 2062. And it's like, right. yeah, that seems so far ahead. <laughs> well, actually, this is where I'm going to bring another fun fact. Because since uh, the film would have been set like in 2020, but they went with uh, 2019, because uh, they thought it would be kind of a... You know, like a pun inside 2020. You know, get it? Remember when they put those memes before? Like those 2020 vision or whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't remember, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But they changed the year because they... Because, because also Scott was worried that people would think he would make a pun if they put like 2020, you know? like He was worried about memes. Oh yeah, he was right about this. That's right, he was right about this. Wow. Very forward thinking of him. <laughs> yeah, you have to understand. Back then, they didn't know what's how the world is going to be changed. So, yeah. Um, what else I want to say? Oh, actually, yeah, if, you got, if you got one more, one more for us, uh, we're we should be wrapping up the podcast here soon. All right. Well, so if we have one more, uh, so I'm going to go straight for. So I'm just going to go one small fact, and then we're going to jump quick to influences. Sounds uh, good to me. Okay, so, uh, let's see. so one last, so this is two small facts about Roger Hugh Haller. The last, the scene with he means Tears in Rain, that was him, he did it. He improvised it, actually. Wow, really? Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah, he improvised it. And Ridley Scott said, Bravo, and that's how he did said history. <laughs> wow, okay. that's also, yeah, that's also, awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, also, actually, that's a kind of a some fact. But Howard, Howard actually also died in 2019, sadly. Oh, wow, oh no, yeah, it was uh, it was kind of um, ironic in days. So, anyways, I'm gonna just go straight to influence before we wrapped up. Sure, I just want so. Um, so I want to tell you that this movie actually is kind of a modern sci-fi because it changed the look, the cinematic, cinematic sci-fi forever. Uh, for because there's a lot of movies that we know been kind of uh, based on that font. A lot of like motion action movies or even animated of this the cyberpunk look. The those near Asia is the like. In the future, the onatox and unmotivated light sources, the texture and atmosphere and vast sets, etc., etc., that we we seen a lot of in the previous movies, like um, like Matrix, uh, 
like uh, yeah, like Matrix, uh, even a Terminator was been used in the first movie like this. You know, even some mm-hmm. in some movies like uh, animated, like Ghost in the Shell, uh, uh, Akira, stuff like that. I mean, you guys pretty much can read that how it influenced because it's it's a long. Uh, it's probably a very long list. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a, there's a lot of information, but I'm just telling you that it influenced quite enough live action sci-fi, those tech sci-fi noir movies that we know today, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, I just want to tell you, since uh, we all kind of Star Wars fans, uh, but uh, replicants are kind of clone troopers, if you think about it. <laughs> kind of, yeah, yeah I, I guess you could say that. I mean, I, mean I, guess, I, I guess clone troopers are more organic than a replicant, though. Yeah, but uh, but if, if you've seen the last season of uh, Clone Wars Season 7, you understand more what we get at that. Uh, I guess I got to get around to that then. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. All right, well, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Um, if you want to start us off with your final uh, thoughts and rating out of 5, Kenobi. <laughs> well, since it's a cult movie, it became slowly a cult movie uh, from the years. Because in the first, like in the church, theatrical movie, it was kind of, was not very successful. But during the time, it became very amazing. Uh, I give a um, five out of five. My personal view, a five out of five. <laughs> wow, okay. Because I'm not of gonna the, lie, I saw be, it coming. Because, <laughs> because, because, I, like I said, I like the way how they they did it with all those poetic meanings, the view, the cinematics. It was just beautifully with the final cut. You can see how actually Ridley Scott wants to make this a masterpiece. You understand? Yeah. So for yeah. me, so and especially the roles were amazing. I'm glad they were how they been made and not been made differently. So you know how they made it, how they he was trying to make. So it is what it is. Five out of five for me. All, All right. right. Um, I'm gonna go next here. So, um, with talking with you guys, I mean, I originally was gonna give this movie a four, but through talking out some of these scenes and thinking about it a little bit more, um, I think I bumped my score up a little bit. I, I, I just, I love the look of the movie. I love the atmosphere and the music and it all blends together so well. Um, the story is pretty good. Um, it did, you know, it did, it did kind of lag a little bit at some points. And as I said before, it's, it's also, it's like super engaging, like with everything coming together, but there are some scenes and, and some parts where it does slow down a little bit. But I mean, I, I think about the movie and I go, Oh, that's that, that whole section where he's interrogating the, the snake lady and then he's running after her. And that's like such a, really great scene and the whole ending sequence is is just so intense and and fascinating and i love the implications of uh and and where it kind of leaves the characters at the end of the movie um i'm not going to go as far as a five but i would i i think i'm going to bump it up to a four and a half i i I do really really like it hey yeah uh, i kind of agree with yummy i kind of uh did dislike this movie heading into this podcast but now that uh, Kenobi came with his uh, knowledge, I guess you'd call it, um, he really <laughs> did enlighten the movie up a little more. And uh, talking to you guys uh, did clear up the movie a little bit. 
Um, I originally gave it a two because I was so confused and so like annoyed with it. Uh, I did fall asleep at it, but I did rewatch it. I watched the whole entirety. Um, but I do agree with Yummy and Kenobi. Uh, this movie is very well visualizing. Uh, it's really very uh, well put together. The storyline is interesting. It does keep you interested throughout the movie. Uh, the wardrobe and like the makeup and all that was also phenomenal. The acting was great. And the ending was also very intense. And I'm going to bump my score up to a three and a half. <laughs> has this ever happened before because like i'm kind of also thinking of bumping up my score yeah right i I think it happened with kung pao i was able to talk you guys up a little bit on that one (laughs) yeah maybe well not me i don't think i was usually i go in like thinking of a certain rating and i usually go by that with at the end but i I don't think i did that with kung pao but yeah originally i was gonna write party pooper (laughs) anyways yeah or anyways originally i was gonna like I was thinking this was uh, 3.5 for me, uh, you know, just because it so many parts like drag on and just it's such a slower paced movie. But yeah, just thinking about it more and like having that realization that I just had, you know, near the beginning of the podcast of like, oh, realizing, oh, that's the dream sequence is connected to this and that. And everything is just so uh, intricately put together. And again, I love the visuals. The music is really cool. I do like the, the 80s synthesizers sound and um the acting was like really well from well done from everyone and uh really quick i want to throw out the like there was a movie i was thinking of with ruger Hauer in it and i just uh, remembered it it's called a blind fury where uh he's the main actor in it and he plays like a blind swordsman a really cool action movie from the 80s i'd recommend it to everyone but um yeah all in all i would have to give this movie a four out of five what was that movie called blind fury yeah, Blind Fury. Rugged Hauer leads. All right, I'm going to add that to my watch list. There you go. Cool. Um, uh, so as if as people probably noticed, uh, Tay isn't here today. Um, he kind of went MIA before recording. Uh, so we don't have any information on what he thought of the movie. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll get his thoughts next time around at the beginning of next episode, which is my recommendation. And, you know, it's always, you know, it's always a, a fun moment to see how you guys are going to react to a movie that I recommend. So but I do I'm like a drum roll? No. <laughs> Don't worry. It, actually, Callus, you, you probably are going to do a dumb drum roll because um, oh. I'm going to be recommending a movie that's kind of in the same genre. It's a, it's like a noir story, uh, and it stars Cal, one of Callus's favorite actors, Jackie oh. Chan. Oh! And uh, okay. I this they just added this movie to HBO Max. It's called Police Story from 1985. It was directed <laughs> by Jackie Chan himself. And um, the synopsis is, Officer Chan Ka Koi manages to put a major Hong Kong drug dealer behind the bars practically alone uh, after a shooting and an impressive chase inside of a slum. Now he must protect the boss's secretary, Selena, who will testify against the gangster in court. And this stars Jackie Chan, Bridget Lin, Maggie Ch- Chung, Bill Tung, <laughs> and more. Um, so, you know, I-, I saw this movie on HBO Max, and I was like, damn, this looks pretty cool. And I was like, you know what? My pick is coming up soon. I might as well just pick it. I've never seen it. So, you know, if it's bad, sorry. <laughs> if it's good, you're welcome. <laughs> but well, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. Like, yeah. I, the synopsis sounds pretty good. So I'm, I'm definitely interested in this. Definitely have a lot of thoughts on this one, but <laughs> I'll save it for the episode. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. So, um, if you want, like I said, if you want to check that out, uh, if you want to watch the movie before the episode, if you don't want to be spoiled or if you want to enjoy the conversation, it is available on HBO Max. I believe there's a Criterion Blu-ray Blu for it from Amazon, but your best bet is going to be HBO Max for this one. Okay. And make sure you watch the correct one. <laughs> there's there's like two or three sequels uh, to it. So yeah. yeah, there is one called Police Story that's like more recent, like uh, I believe like early 2000s. That's just Police Story. So yeah, don't get it mixed up. Don't get it mixed up for the original. <laughs> All right. Well, um, thank you once again to Kenobi for coming on the show. A very uh, a well of knowledge, I will say. Yeah, well knowledge. And if you want more knowledge from him. You can join his sci-fi Discord, which I will link in the description below if you want to check out what he does there. Kenobi, uh, anything you want to say before we uh, before we sign off? Uh, yes. So apparently, I found out that Kalos and Greedy have a weak-minded, and I can I and I can Jedi my trick them. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, <laughs> you, you you tricked us all. You all got us to raise our scores. Yeah, got them all. <laughs> I didn't. That that was the force. That wasn't me. <laughs> all righty well thank you again for watching or listening to the our podcast here film freaks with a z um i am yem uh, i'm sorry i am nexus six the ferret who and i've been here with runner waffles k for l for s and general obi one kenobi kenobi out and we are Film Freaks with a Z. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Clean your ass. May the force be with you. <laughs> <laughs>